Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to episode 32 of the Spider Scoop podcast. As always, I'm your host, Noah Goldberg with ESPN Richmond, and I'm joined by my co-host. He led the Atlantic 10 in three-point shooting a season ago. He has scored more than 1,000 points in his career as a Richmond Spider, and that's Nick Sherrod. Nick, what's going on, man? How you doing, man? Doing good. Tired, tired. Low low energy crowd this morning at 11.22 a.m. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, there's been some stuff going on we'll uh we'll catch you guys up on uh we'll recap a little bit of the george mason game for y'all because i know I, I i botched that one a little bit with some tech issues so break into that a little bit we'll talk a little covid shutdown but uh nick why don't we start um i know it's not fresh in our minds anymore but i think last saturday you know 20 point win at george mason and i i think the biggest difference in in that win this year last year is you guys controlled that game last year too but it was a lot different. Like they were scoring on you. Um, Jordan Miller was getting buckets. I think what he scored like 39 or something in that game. Um, but you guys, you're, you just didn't let your foot off the gas on offense. This time it was a complete game. You shut them down defensively, held them to 57 points, um, really, and just controlled. I think that was the biggest thing, right? Everyone looked in control and you played a consistent effort. What do you see out of that front in terms of finally getting 40 minutes of good basketball on both ends? Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. I think one of the things that we have been stressing about on the podcast a lot is that we wanted to see the guys come out and play a, a complete game. They could play and play a full game throughout the whole 40 minutes. And I think this was a, was our best step in that direction this season. I think we came out strong. Uh, they made a little run and they made it close. And then we were able to put our foot on the gas and extend the lead. And that's what, that's what you want to see out of a team that you feel like has high expectations. You want them to be able to win when there are games that they're, that they're supposed to win, they're supposed to win comfortably, they go out there and do it. So again, they played a full 40 minutes and guys made big plays. Guys finally started to hit some shots and uh, it was a good win. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And I, and I think that we finally saw them. I don't know. I just like the game plan out of the jump because I think you really have to, when you're looking for consistency, right, you want to set that tone from the beginning. And I think seeing Gilly get, you know, three steals in the first six or seven minutes, Grant basically, i want to say he scored like the first six points. I don't know. I, th- I think so. But e- either way, they were really just going with that two-man game early and essentially just doing what works best and playing to their strengths out of the gates, which I thought helped them set the tone throughout the game. Um, the, I mean, the defensive intensity in the first 10 minutes was just off the charts. And this was a game where it really felt like even though they scored 77 points, a lot of that offense was coming from defense, you know, generating turnovers, steals. Um, so, so I thought that was huge for them. And putting that one together. And in the biggest thing, right, is something that you've really preached on this pod is not letting guys get comfortable. That's felt like when Richmond's been at their worst defensively this year is, you know, whether it's guards shooting over Gilly and Jacob, because they just feel comfortable. They don't feel like they're getting disrupted and particularly Tyler Kolek as a shooter. Cause that's been a type of like a type of player that has really hurt Richmond this year. Um, you think back to like Braden Norris, right. But not even him, right? Like we said, like Miller, Javon Green, you know, AJ Wilson was the only one who had a solid game and even still didn't feel like he was killing you particularly because everyone else was just lagging so far behind. Um, so I don't know what you saw there, maybe what you saw defensively. I really liked Grant's effort hedging screens. He just looked like he was sprinting 100% full speed every time he's coming off uh, the screen to get back. But but the intensity was there and it just didn't look like anyone on George Mason got comfortable at any point. 
Yeah, no, especially when you're playing against dynamic guards like they have, uh, who have given us trouble in the past. Uh, it's important that you kind of take away the airspace. You don't let them get into a rhythm early. I think last year we struggled, especially at Mason. We let Green get into a rhythm at the end of the first half, and he ended up with 39. So I think that I know leading into the game, it was stressed a lot about how our defense could be a lot better um, and how guys could get more effort. I think that, and you saw that with Grant, how he played. Uh, Jacob was stealing the ball, doing what he does. Blake was playing hard. Tyler, I think he had some good moments. It's the same with Nate on defense. Sal's been really good defensively all year, I would say. Mm -hmm. So I think that guys, you know, were challenged to play better defense, were challenged to um, meet the challenge of what they, their expectations were defensively, especially considering how good they were last year. I think they, they did a good job of that. I think, you know, they took some of it personally. And that's kind of how you have to play defense. A lot of defense is... Uh, a lot of people want to talk about positioning and how quick guys are, but a lot of it is about effort. I don't think they've been giving great effort. And uh, that game against Mason really showed the type of team we could be defensively. Yeah. And when, when was the last time that you watched a game and you said Grant Golden was by far the most physical player on the court? Because he really was for 40 minutes there. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I think he has that potential too. It's just about putting it all together sometimes. <laughs> um so uh, obviously a, a a complete game um not blake's best game but when you're getting basically double digits from pretty much all your starters i mean so he can afford to have those games and i think the biggest theme again is and certainly gilly didn't go off per se but i mean five steals five assists four rebounds 15 points complete game and i know if five of 13 from the field isn't what he loved but three of eight from three Three of eight from three isn't crazy, but you're fine taking that consistently because it's an okay percentage. And he's also taking eight threes, which I love to see. We all know I've been preaching that I want to see him shoot more, be more aggressive. And it's now two straight games where he's made three or more threes. He actually made six against Rhode Island, um, two straight games of double digit scoring, and also two games where they've scored, they scored 77 and then 80 plus against URI. So I think it's pretty clear that. His shooting, especially again, we said it over and over again. Without you, has just been so huge for them. And I mean, if we want to look at a number, like I, I was saying it on here, but if you go from the start of conference play last year through non-conference play of this year, he was shooting like low third. I think he was below thirty from three, thirty percent. That's a that's not a slump. That's a long stretch in conference play so far. Obviously, only a few games. Through four games, he's like forty-two percent from behind the line on like six attempts. In the counter that. Blake is shooting 28% in conference play also on six attempts. So he has been hot lately. Um, do you see that continuing for him? Has there been a change you've seen from him? That's, is it, he's finding better looks. Is he kind of getting the same looks and he's just hitting them and it's mental. Is there anything you've seen change that? Cause it, I mean, it, it's a pretty large sample size at this point, six attempts a game, like clearly something's clicking for him. Yeah. I think it's just confidence. I think that um, the sure that uh, Gilly showed, that he was in non-conference last year. Um, I think that's more that's closer to the shooter that he is as a player. I think that obviously, like you said, it's a long stretch. So obviously it wasn't necessarily a slump, but he still had big shooting games in conference play last year as well. Um, not as much in non-conference this year. So I think that for him, it's just confidence. I think that he's a player that um, he thinks the game so deeply and so thoroughly. And that can be a really good thing, obviously, as you can see by the way that he impacts the game and the way that, you know, he can have a game where he scores 12 points and still be the best player on the court. But also it could be a challenge when you're going through a slump like that. And a lot of shooting, especially when you're a guy that people are expecting to make shots, a lot of shooting is all mental. So I think for him, it's about not putting as much pressure on every shot. And it's okay if you go, if you take, like like you said, obviously uh, 
when you're shooting eight attempts a game, when you're shooting eight threes a game and you make three of them, that's a good percentage. Like, we'll take that. Um, it's just about him continuing to be aggressive and not shying away from shots because I think that for him, the more volume that he has, the more mix that he gets, um, especially when you're not really making them as much as you want. You want to keep shooting. You don't want to, you know, shy away from shots. So I was glad to see against Rhode Island, he took a lot of threes. Against George Mason, took a lot of threes. And hopefully that continues whatever the next game is. Do you think, is there anything to not having fans in that could be affecting shooters this year, just in terms of like a rhythm thing, right? Like when you're playing home games, you get the fans into it. You can maybe carry momentum from game to game. Do you think it makes it any harder to get rhythm or is it not really a huge effect? Um, I'm not sure. I would love to see maybe the numbers. I would say that it probably is not a huge effect. I think, I think there's definitely some parts of the game where having, where you, there's, where having fans is definitely noticeable. Um, mm. Free throws, I would say, would probably be the biggest thing where you notice there's no fans. Mm. Um, but in terms of just open shots and that kind of stuff, I think for the most part, you kind of two fans out. But uh, again, every guy is different. I think that one of the things that you can see throughout all levels of basketball is that some guys really need the fans. Some teams really need fans there, home or away, and some guys are able to lock in and focus. So I think I, I would say for Gilly, I don't think the fans really matters that much. But I think you would ask, have to ask him because I've actually thought about that a lot. I think there's some yeah. players and some teams that really like need to have fans there and there's some mm -hmm. that don't. And I guess that's the challenge of a year like this. Cause I mean, I, I think there's a clear, I, I wouldn't say a big effect on every guy, like you said, but there are definitely guys where like, you know, if they're getting into it and the crowd's getting into it, they've hit two or three shots. Like if the crowd's loud, they may be more likely to take a heat check. Like that's a tangible difference. If you don't have the crowd, maybe you don't take that heat check, but you know, some teams, like you said, don't need the fans. I mean, you guys were getting pretty, uh, pretty rowdy on Wednesday night. You and us solely were having some fun on the bench. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things that uh, that I that I've enjoyed about you know the first season I got hurt in this season just there's no pressure on you to like sit and like focus on every aspect of the game necessarily, so I get to yell and scream and you know do whatever I want to do. So coach coach kind of wants that from me, so it, it works out. Yeah, Nick. Yeah, we we know you're not a big uh, you don't like bit high pressure situations, so this is perfect for you, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> um so i i guess we should look ahead now right because obviously there was big news this week your team's obviously on covid pause um due to testing issues so no we're going to get some results hopefully in the next couple of days um so all we know right now obviously is that there was a positive within the program this saturday's game at vcu is off i would be beyond shocked if that didn't get rescheduled that is probably the easiest game in the country to reschedule they're 15 minutes down the road so that will happen um but we have no game saturday uh the next game is at olean uh we're returning to bonas on wednesday that's up in the air i guess basically these next two days we're going to find out um but how do you guys feel about where you're at what's the sense in the locker room you're three and one um, obviously this was a arguably top 25 team coming the preseason. We all know what happened through non-conference play. feel like you're kind of on the bubble right now. I've seen some people have you in the field. I've seen some people not have you in the field. And it's kind of that sense of it's like, all right, if they can put together a solid, you know, top three finish in the conference, make a run in the tournament, they probably get in. But you guys don't have a lot of room to work with. How do you feel? What's the sense in the locker room of what do we need to do? How do we need to finish the rest of a 10 play and, how can we get into March Madness? Yeah, I think the one of the things about this year as opposed to other years is that I think you kind of think about this stuff a little bit earlier than you would have before because you don't know when guys are going to get shut down. You don't know when you're going to miss out on games. Mm. So I think in a normal year, when you when you only play four conference games, you're not really worried about whether or not you're in the tournament. You're kind of focused on where can we finish in the league, killing in the league, stuff like that. 
Um, I think this year is a little bit different because there was expectations of us being in the tournament. And now I think we were comfortably in the field maybe like two, three weeks ago, and now not as much. So I think maybe guys are focused on that. But I still think, you know, with only four games in conference play, um, you kind of really just focused on winning the league, like being the 8-10 regular season champions. I think last year was a little bit different because uh, Dayton was 18-0. But I think in a normal year, if Dayton was just a, another really good team, I don't think we would, we would have even cared about the bracket as much. So I think right now it's just trying to put, put together, like we said, 40 minutes of good basketball every time we step on the court. And I think once come February, come March, once you kind of have a sense of where you think you can finish in the league, what's going on around the, what's going on around the country, that kind of stuff, then you start to think about it more. So obviously with the shutdown and all that stuff, maybe we'll only play 14 conference games. That makes it a little bit different. I still think it's a little bit early for us to necessarily sweat as as players necessarily. Obviously, like as people who aren't playing, and that's this is what we think about from the time the first bracket comes up, you know. Mm. But you know, as players, I don't think anybody's really that concerned about it um, right now. Yeah, and I and, and like you said, there's a lot of time left to be played. But and and you know, like you have a legit chance to win the league. I mean, St. Louis hasn't even played a conference game yet. Um, VCU just beat UW, but they had the loss to Rhode Island and. Rhode Island's had a couple losses. So basically it's, I mean, I guess Bonaventure's one up on you. We'll see how that next game goes. But if you win at Bonaventure, should that game happen? I mean, you're in pretty good position because Dayton's, I, I they could finish top four if they go on a run. If you lose to the sound four, I kind of doubt you're good enough of a team to do that though. So I wouldn't really consider them a major threat at the top. Um, VCU has looked a little more vulnerable over these past couple games. Um, that was a team that I was thinking was really making a push and they still could. Um, they're probably still in the field in some people's, um, brackets, but do do you think this season, just uh, with all the distractions, be it political, but but more so within the season of just COVID shutdowns and all the things going on, how fluid the season is, and and like you even talked about, you're thinking about the bracket more four games in than you would in a normal year. Is it a lot easier to get ahead of yourselves and and get distracted? Is it harder to stay focused as a team this season? Um, I don't think it's. I think it's harder to stay to stay focused once you're outside of the the Robin Center or the practice gym. I think once you're in between the lines, I think most guys will say this, it's all about basketball. It's all about whatever mm. your next task is. But I think I would definitely say when you're outside of the gym, uh, you're kind of not in a safe of a space, you know. Uh, anything can happen. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff happening in the world, not just with COVID, but with, you know, everything happening. So I think that's one of the reasons that guys are pushing so hard to play is because on some level, whether it be practice, whether it be a lift, whether it be treatment, not even just games. I think when you're inside that building, it feels a lot. It feels a lot safer. Uh, mm-hmm. You feel more comfortable. You feel like you have a central focus. Whereas now, not only you're focused on staying safe, um, staying away from people, you have family members, you have political unrest. What an hour and a half away from here. So it's just like it's a lot of stuff happening. Whereas in, during a normal year, during normal times, it'll be a little bit easier to to compartmentalize a lot of stuff. So I think that while you're in between the lines, you're only really focused on the game. Um, and, that, and again, like I said, that's why guys are pushing so hard to play. Um, I think that's one of the reasons guys are pushing hard to play is because it's lot, like you said, this is a this is a getaway uh, for better or for worse for a lot of people. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I think that when the guys are playing, it's not a distraction. But again, it's tough because there's so much going on and the world is so different. As soon as you step outside the gym, so the only sense of normalcy that guys have is when they're playing. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, I think uh, that just about wraps it up. We can do we'll do the couple voicemails from uh, this weekend since we didn't get to those because I I screwed the pooch a little bit on the on the last pod pull those up here sorry guys i gotta get disconnected but just want to ask a question obviously the spires have been really good the past couple games 
coming off probably the largest margin of victory here versus George Mason. In my opinion, look, the defense has just really been playing better. Uh, I just want to kind of hear from you guys. We haven't talked already uh, just about what have you seen in these uh, last two games and, you know, if you're still thinking that this is a team that, you know, should be one of the favorites in the A-10, I, you know, I think people have kind of died off of that hype, but I, I still see it. I still think that this team, you know, when everything gets clicking, um, should be, you know, the favorite in the A-10. But what do you guys think about that? And he came up with a second one, so I'll just roll through that. Hey, this is Chris. Just following up on my last question for those that may have answered no. Um, answer, you know, answer this and uh, just what you think the team needs to improve on generally. Uh, but, again, if you answer no, what does the team need to improve on to be your favorite in the A-10? What do they need to improve on generally? I kind of just want to hear you guys talk about uh, the direction of the team and what they need to be improving upon to be the best they can be. Because um, we know this could be a special year for the Spiders. And how do you see them accomplishing their goals? Yeah, so there's a few pieces to that. I guess um, we can just touch on what we already kind of talked about with what we've seen in the past two games, right? I mean, obviously the differences in the last game was defensive consistency, but obviously shooting, gilly shooting, gilly scoring. I think that's been the biggest thing over the last two games and all-around consistent efforts. Um, anything you've seen change in these past couple games across the board? Oh, you know, like, like they said, uh, just consistent defensive effort has been a big one. Um I think we're still working through some kinks chemistry-wise, and I think that's starting to get uh, figured out a little bit more. But I really think that, again, it's just effort and defense are the biggest things. And I feel like the past few games, we've made, made some good steps. Uh, but there's still definitely there's still ways to go. But um, if you can put the more you can put together good performances, the better off you can be. Yeah. So I get, we, we may as well respond to this favorite question because I guess we also talked a little bit about the top three. But I guess where it is right now, Obviously, SLU's number one. I think until you beat them, SLU has to be ahead of you. They beat you last year. They're in the top 25. It's hard to knock them off that one spot. I think same goes for Bana until you beat Bana. Um, but I think after that, Richmond's obviously, I, especially the way VCU's played in the past couple of games, I kind of had them 3-4. I think you have to put Richmond 3 right now. And just, I mean, when you lose by, when you win by less than 10 points at GW and you lose to Rhode Island, you, you can't be ahead of the Spiders right now. But there's absolutely no reason, even though they're third. I mean, they are a favorite in the conference. Like you said, again, SLU hasn't played a game yet in conference play. If you go in at Bonaventure, you jump them. Um, there's no reason this team can't make a run and win the regular season title. And there's no reason you guys can't win the tournament. Um, and, and like you said, the only like we've seen at their best, they can beat anyone in the country uh, for the most part outside of probably the top 15 when everything's hitting, when Gilly's hitting shots, when Blake's playing in control. We say it over and over again, but it's really just consistency. And I think it's confidence, especially for a guy like Gilly. Um, and like you said, a lot of it's like chemistry, right? A lot of these things are not, are they capable of doing them? It's do they do them, which means a lot of it's mental and a lot of it's chemistry and just piecing it all together. You know, we saw last year, especially when Blake got hurt and then came back where it helps Gilly figure some things out while he was gone and then piecing it together. When he came back, you guys finished on what, like a six game one streak, something like that. Maybe had your best game against Duquesne in the final game of the season. So you did it, la and even though I know this team's even older now, still last year, it's not like you had a lot of new pieces that came in last year. So it's not like you had a lot of new pieces, and you were still clearly getting better as the season went on and clearly learning to play your best basketball as the season went on. I don't see any reason why that doesn't happen this year. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like in terms of the favorite question, I think that a lot of times, and I feel like this from not just not just the fans but the players as well, I think that, Everybody had a certain expectation of how the season was going to go. One way or like, 
everybody thought we could be a top 15 team and all that stuff. And not that we can't be, not that we aren't, but I think that sometimes it takes some teams a little bit longer to figure out how they're going to play and all that stuff. And realistically, like, our record is what, 8-3 and three right now? Like 9-3, and three, aren't you? 9-3. Nine 9-3. And, three. Nine and, three. and so I think that sometimes people get caught up in how the guys look and all that stuff. And obviously, the Kentucky win lost some shine. The West Virginia game didn't go as planned. Um, the Hofstra loss, was, Hofstra loss wasn't great. Um, but they're, they're obviously a pretty good team. And then Bonaventure's. I think if you ask anybody, any player in the league who's played them, who played them last year, we, if you would have told me that Bonaventures would have been the best team in the league this year, I probably wouldn't have been that surprised if you told me at the end of last year that they would have won the league this year. I wouldn't have been that surprised. So obviously, that's still the game you want to win, especially at home and especially when you don't play as well as you think you can. But, you know, Bonaventures could be in the tournament just like we could, in the NCAA tournament, just like we could. So, so, so could St. Louis. So all mm-hmm. of us are going to beat up on each other, you know. I think sometimes people are looking at St. Louis like they're this big, bad giant. But they lost to UMass twice last year. Um, they had their best offensive game of the season when they played us last year. Um, but most of the time, it's been close. So, like, I think that, mm-hmm. you know, anything could happen this year. Obviously, everybody's better. Davidson's talented. VCU's playing better than expected. So, I think that when people are looking at Richmond, they're like, oh, man, we can't win the league. Yeah, we haven't looked great. We haven't looked as good as people think. But we're still 9-3. and three. When people come to play us, they still know they have to bring their best game. Where they're going to get beat, and again, we lost the Bonaventures at home. Not great, but again, if you would have told me they would have won, they would have been the best team in the league after last year. I wouldn't have been shocked. You know what I mean? So that's a really good team. Um, we still don't know what St. Louis is going to look like. So I mean, you never know. Dayton could still make a run. They look a lot better after those two losses. So mm-hmm. I think that people kind of overreacted to like how the performances are going and don't realize that it's a long season. I mean, maybe it's not as long as usual, but it's a long season. Like you said, we got a lot better as the year went on. We finished fourteen and four. So. You never know what can happen. Yeah, like you said, you never know what can happen. I mean, the who were the last year? I think VCU, right? They were the preseason favorites. We all know what happened with that. The year before, I think, right? Wasn't Davidson? I'm pretty sure picked to win the conference a couple of years ago, um, and that <laughs> certainly didn't work out very well for them. Um, so, so again, you know, it's not that we shouldn't take expectations into account, but things happen. And and when you look at a Bonaventure team, right? That team has so much wing depth. I mean, across the board, they've got. Holmes and Attaway and Lofton and Welch and all these guys. And for you guys, it's like, obviously the top end talent is there, but you can't deny like the reason we thought this team was going to be so much better than last year. Wasn't just that you returned everyone. It was that you returned everyone. Plus you're adding Crabtree. Plus you're expecting a big jump out of Tyler. All of a sudden Tyler's going from a promising reserve to a starter playing 30 plus minutes. And now he's arguably the best shooter on the team. So he's got a huge role. You don't have Andre in that game against Bonaventure. Obviously, Crabtree, Connor's been hurt, right? Like, you can't make excuses, obviously, because, again, the top 10 talent's there, and this is still a top three team the conference in, probably could be in the tournament. But, I mean, we can't deny the effects that these things have had. Like, it's you can't just – I think people kind of just like to ignore them and be like Richmond expectations, you know. I think people get frustrated just with what's happened over the past few years. We lost to another top team. I'm sure St. Louis is going to have a bad or a tough home loss, just like we are. We might have another one. I think probably Bonnie's going to have another head-scratching loss at home. So, mm-hmm. like, that's just how conference play works. Like like I said, like, we lost to – we got beat by St. Louis at home. Um, St. Louis lost, you know, twice to UMass. Bonnie's had some tough losses at home. Like, it just – that's how it is in conference. When you're used to guys and you play guys a bunch, that's how it is. So, again, like, people overreact to things. But we're 9-3. and three. Hofstra wasn't a great loss, but we lost to West Virginia and we lost to St. Bonaventure's. Like two, like two of those teams that we lost to 
maybe all three of them that we've lost to so far are going to be in the tournament. So yeah, like, I don't want to overreact just because maybe we haven't looked like the unstoppable undefeated team. Like if you're comparing us to Dayton's team last year, you might have had your expectations might have been a little bit too high. If if you're if you if you were expecting this to be like Dayton's team last year, you should like reevaluate your basketball analysis. I mean that's. Mm. That that was beyond ridiculous, and we're seeing like the Obi effect, right? Like as awesome as Jalen Crutcher is and and Chapman is, I mean, they, everyone was like, "This is that was still a tournament team last year without Obi." I don't know, was it because they don't look like one now, and they have a pretty similar team? They've got Ibby Watson, they've got Shaminga. I mean, they've got a lot of a lot of dogs on that team, and <laughs> they, they've lost to LaSalle and Fordham, so they're still talent. I, I think they're kind of figuring it out, though. I think the biggest thing is Crutcher needs to shoot the ball more. Like he's the best player on the court usually, and he's not shooting enough. Um, yeah. So I get, why don't we finish up with, you mentioned Hofstra possibly getting into the tournament. When we spoke to Joe Lenardi around Christmas time, right? I made the joke. We could possibly get a tournament with Kentucky, with Hofstra and without Kentucky. He laughed and goes, Scarlett Johansson may call, maybe she'll return my call. It's looking kind of more likely. So I don't know if that's good for Joe that he's going to be getting a call from Scarlett Johansson, but I don't know what you think, man. It's kind of looking like we could actually get Hofstra in and not Kentucky. Yeah, wasn't Hofstra picked to finish like first in the CAA? I th- yeah, I think so. Yeah, first or second. So, I mean, and we played them, and they're obviously a talented, talented group of guys. But hey, they almost beat Bonna too, right? Yeah, and they'll probably they probably will beat Kentucky right now. So, <laughs> I don't think that's saying much though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's saying much right now. <laughs> All right, that's it from us guys. Spider Scoop thirty two in the books. Uh, hoping we'll we'll probably get another episode out for you guys uh, either this weekend or, or early next week and. Hopefully, we're going to have the guys from SB Unfurled and Friends on to preview this game on Wednesday, should it come on. Um, That's it from us. As always, um, make sure to go follow me and Austin on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I'm at Noah Goldberg 10. You can follow Austin at AustinDaisy11. Again, if you want to go look for Nick's burner on Twitter, feel free. I don't know what it is, but go try to find it. Um, Make sure to like and subscribe. Give us a five-star on Apple Podcasts, and we will see you guys next week. Everybody run, run, run Everybody scatter, scatter uh. Some people lost some bread Someone nearly died Someone just died Police, they come, army, they come uh. Confusion everywhere
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.